My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun. Thank you for listening to episode three of the Just a Mom podcast. This episode is a continuation of episode two, where my husband Dan and I tell our story of parenting a child with mental illness. We also talk about my entry into the world of mental health advocacy, as well as the birth of the Just a Mom podcast. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom. Now here's episode three. After the You Matter Festival, like I said, everything changed in our minds and in our lives in a way. Yeah, one of the things that I remember um, was once Will became a public figure, you and I kind of de facto became, I wouldn't say public figures, but we were, you know, kind of known as the parents of the of the suicide prevention kid. And um, particularly for you, um, you know, people started reaching out to you you know, my kid is struggling. What did you do? What should we do? Or I have a friend whose kid is struggling. Can you help? Talk a little bit about what those experiences were like. At first I was, I sort of was surprised because I didn't think I had any great information other than our own personal experience. And So I would get together with a mom or two, but then it was every week. A week did not go by that I was not contacted about a struggling kid. And as time went on, I started realizing that, oh my gosh, these moms feel the exact same way I felt, and they feel safe coming to me because I'd opened the door and put it out there with my son, who had shared his story with everyone. And it also made me realize that it wasn't just me who couldn't share this, and it wasn't just me who couldn't really find any resources on how do I help myself during this parenting time that was the most difficult time of our lives and it got me wanting to just help more I can remember you and I were on a trip with some friends and we were hiking and um, you got a call in the middle of this hike and you know we were enjoying each other's company and we were talking and Next thing you know, you had to fall to the back of the line and take kind of a crisis phone call from a friend who happened to go to our church. And it wasn't a close friend, but it was somebody that that we knew, and she knew somewhat of Will's story and our story. And you were, you know, that was one of the few times that I saw you in action. I, I know you talked to 
you know, a lot of parents, but most of it was, I wasn't right next to you. And so I got to hear you in action, you know, giving this parent some, you know, reassurance, giving them some direction, telling them if, you know, if your kid's suicidal and you don't think they're safe, you got to go to the emergency room, you know, and just saying really practical, you know, step one, step two, this is what you have to do. And just how deer in the headlights, the person on the other end of the phone was, I, I couldn't even hear the other end of the phone, but I could just hear your side of how that parent was, was just so blown away, didn't know what to do, didn't know where to turn. And, you know, through a friend of a friend had contacted, had reached out to you and, you know, you were kind, but you, you know, to a certain degree, you were almost kind of grabbing them by the lapels and say, you have to save your kid. You have to do this. You have to do this. You know, don't worry about the rest of it. And, uh, you know, I saw the way you helped that person get through step one, you know, you weren't their counselor, you weren't their doctor, you weren't any of those things, you know, not to be too cheesy, but you were just a mom. And, um, but you helped them, that family find first base, you know, where do you go first? What's the first step? What's the second step? And, um, and, you know, that's, that's when I really saw the impact that you were having and, and, that's when I saw the uh, impact that you were having, and um, I think that's when something like this podcast started to at least creep into my mind, if it, even if it wasn't in yours. Shortly before that time, I had taken Will to record a video for a local organization here in the Kansas City area called Zero Reasons Why. And this organization slash campaign, it started because of some superintendents in our community getting together after a record-setting year of teen death by suicide. And the superintendent said, we've got to do something about this problem. We've got to do something to stop this. And that was right around the time that the 13 Reasons Why movie or series came out. I remember that summer that that happened because that was when Will was struggling, and I remember saying, you will not watch this. Um, But anyway, so they formed this campaign called Zero Reasons Why, and the big thrust of, of the Zero Reasons Why campaign is they interview primarily students to be influential to other students and to encourage kids to talk about mental health. So a lot of the same things that Will was doing through the You Matter Festival. So they had contacted Will and me and asked if Will would be able to do a video. So I'd driven him to where they were doing the videos and they ended up asking me to do a video because I don't think at that point any parents had done a video. And thankfully, I'd, you know, like taken a shower that day. So <laughs> that was pre-COVID. I showered and, you know, fixed my hair a lot more than <laughs> that's true. Um, but 
I, I remember thinking, I have, what am I supposed to say on a video? I'm just a mom. I don't know anything about this. I'm not a doctor or a therapist or a social worker or a psychiatrist. I'm, I'm just a mom. And then I did that video. And several months later, it finally, they put it out there. They, they released it on social media. You know, that was their, they, they did these videos and then they would put them out on the various social media platforms. And, and you were not really a social media person at all. And I called you over and I said, Suze, you need to look at your video. You need to check this out. And at the time, I think there were 10,000 views of your video. It was the most of any of the ones that they had put out. And, you know, again, to what I was saying earlier, what you were saying and what, what that message was, was definitely striking a nerve with a lot of folks. Yeah. And we started talking about it. Because it's not like I'm some great actress or whatever, hardly. You and I started talking about why did this video strike a nerve with people? Why was this watched so many times and shared so many times? And you were really the one who pushed me on this, <laughs> as you tend to do. No. But you said... I think you've got something here. I think you need to do something with this. This is obviously a void. I believe you had a story to tell, and no one was telling this story. Right. And as we went through, you know, that initial time period five years ago with Will, um, you know, we didn't know where to turn. There were no resources for parents, or if there were, we didn't know where to find them. Um you know, nobody talked about how's your marriage during those times when your, you know, your sole focus was on your child. Um, you know, how are you guys doing? You know, we didn't let many people into our circles and no one was asking those questions. Um, we, you know, were fortunate to have some contacts and find a therapist and a psychiatrist quickly, but, you know, not everybody had that, had that, um, those resources readily available and or even knowing how to access those resources. So uh, it started to become clear that, you know, this was a message that that people wanted, that people needed. I found one book and one podcast when Will was struggling that I thought were helpful. And that's all I could find in the book. I'm making sure that I've got this right. But the book was called You Are Not Alone. It was written by a woman whose daughter had struggled with substance abuse problems. And she her husband was a pastor. And so she talked in this book a lot about the same types of things that I was feeling. Uh, the shame, the guilt... The how, you know, you're a pastor's wife. How could you mess up so badly that your daughter, you know, is a drug addict and, you know, the, the things that went along with that? And there were so many, like, I was with a highlighter highlighting these things, thinking she knows how I feel, but nobody else does. And so I think when I did that video, people who've experienced this, which there are millions and millions of us as parents who have experienced a child struggling with mental health issues, 
I think parents said, oh my goodness, that's how I have felt. That's all I can figure. I, I don't know. But I do think that, again, because of the hopeful nature of the story and that Will is still here and that we're talking about it, that that gives uh, me a unique position in the mental health world to share the message of you are not alone and there is hope. But then, of course, you had to push me. <laughs> because at this time, I'm like, what? You think I should do a podcast? That's the craziest idea I've ever heard. I don't know how to do any of that technology stuff. You know, I don't even need to do Facebook. I still don't even know how to do Facebook. But We were just joking off the air that Susie's two biggest fears are that she forgets, <laughs> forgets to hit the record button in a podcast. <laughs> and at the end, she hits the wrong button and erases the whole thing. Exactly. And... <laughs> Despite recording multiple podcasts now, she still has that just deathly fear of <laughs> screwing up the recording. She is somewhat technologically challenged and uh, yeah. um, and has a, a very healthy fear of technology. But boy, have I come a long way in yes, the last you have. year. Bravo. <laughs> you know, originally, when we talked about it, I thought, okay. I have an undergraduate degree in advertising and public relations, and I thought, you know, I used to do a lot of writing. I, I'll do a blog. I'll write a blog. And for a while, I just started writing stuff. And most of it you still haven't even seen. And it's kind of like Will's early stuff because a lot of it's really raw. And I don't know. Maybe some point I'll share some of it, and I bet you a lot of people will be like, oh, yeah, I felt like that too. Like one of the things that I wrote, I titled it, Can You Babysit My 14-Year-Old? Yeah. <laughs> and we talked a little bit about that earlier. As I was talking about doing a blog, you, again, had a different idea. As I often do. <laughs> yeah. I had what we call the right idea. <laughs> Here we sit. So... And why did you think that this was such a good idea for me to start a podcast? I'm, I enjoy podcasts when I walk the dogs, when I mow the lawn, when I have long car rides. Um, I've kind of gotten into that point in my life where um, you know, I can only listen to the same 25 classic rock songs so many times, even though I love music. Um, I've been trying to enrich myself with podcasts and I think it's a great way to reach people it's a great way to disseminate the story that you know right now you've been able to impact the lives of you know a handful of people in our circle of circle of friends and contacts in our community but the way the desire for the things that you're saying has spread it only made sense to me to uh, try to make that more widely available and to share not just our story, but to share other parents' stories. Um, this is not the Dan and Susie show. Mm -mm. This is about, you know, parents who are going through the same things who have these problems and, and to realize that you're not alone. Cause we thought we were alone. We felt very alone. And, um, you know, a, in the way technology is today, a podcast was a great way to share that story. 
And I want to emphasize that we are huge believers and encouragers of professional help. And we talked about all of the ways Will received and still receives professional help. And there's no way he would be where he is now without all of that help. So I don't want to underscore that or professional help for us as the parents, because we have spent many hours in the therapist's chairs saying, okay, please help us parent this kid better. Help us know what we need to do to assist him in his journey. What I want to do with just a mom is have conversations like this, where we talk about what were our fears? (laughs) What was the hardest thing about it? A place where parents could listen to other people's stories as well as some expert opinions and advice on how to handle a lot of these issues. So here we are. So here we are. I want to talk a little bit about where Will is now. So Will is about to leave to be a college sophomore. We talked earlier in the previous episode about um, him making a school change. It turned out to be a very successful school change for him. We found a school where he had a great community around him. He was able to find his, uh, his voice in music and acting and musical theater, and he thrived. Uh, he was a big fish in a little pond, and it turned out to be a great time of growth. Um, we got to a point his senior year of high school where he, we backed off all antidepressive medications and he was medicine free for his senior year of high school. And, um, and we thought, Hey, we've, you know, we've really accomplished something. <laughs> he, you know, we, we got him the care he needed. He, you know, got through this rough few years. He's got the coping skills from, you know, meeting with this therapist, you know, continuously th- during that time. We've met with the therapist during that time and helped understand how to better, um, better serve Will and better parent Will. And, uh, you know, I think we got a little bit confident, maybe a little cocky that, hey, we'd, we'd kind of lick this. And, you know, we had at that point, you know, three or four You Matter festivals under our belt. We're starting to feel a little bit, hey, we're the we're the experts. Hmm. And um, at least I was, you know, hey, we, we kind of took on this problem. We, we, we attacked it and, you know, we've kind of, we got it in, in submission, you know, and, you know, maybe we've won. And then Will, um, you know, made his decision to go to college. Um, he had, had some opportunities, um, chose uh, a school ultimately, and it was interesting going into the summer and then particularly going into school, um, Will started getting these awful headaches. And he struggled with migraines. That's not a new thing for him. That's something he's had for a little while. Um, and as we got later and later into the summer, his migraines got worse and worse. And you know, he'd been on some treatment for his migraines. And you know, that's a whole other story of, of how he, how he uh, came to treat his migraines. But... Um, None of the medicines were working, and we were calling the neurologist, you know, boy, he's still struggling, you know, well, let me try this, and we try the, the next 
technique or medicine or whatever, and you know that wouldn't work. And well, let me try this, and we try another one, and it wouldn't work. And and finally, kind of a light bulb went off in my head. You know, if, if all the treatment for migraines aren't working, and he's just getting worse and worse, is this just a manifestation of his anxiety and depression? Is his, you know, psychiatric illness that we were getting a little cocky about? Is it rearing its ugly head? And uh, so. Um, called the psychiatrist and kind of gave him my theory. And he's like, not too bad, Dad. Uh, I think you might be barking up the right tree. And uh, so he met with Will, and uh, they talked about it. And next thing you know, Will's back on um, uh, medicine for his anxiety and depression. And uh, lo and behold, within a couple of weeks of getting that medicine on board, his migraines started to subside, and he started doing a lot better. And I'm not... The, the point of this is, you know, this wasn't, you know, his hair got too long, we cut it, and now he's fine. Um, he, you know, this is a problem that is with Will. You know, he has this, you know, he's unfortunately been given this uh, disorder of anxiety and depression. And, you know, it's a problem to be treated, not necessarily a problem to be cured. And... Um, I think we got a little complacent. We kind of thought we had it licked. And um, I think we have a better appreciation now that um, you know, this is something we have to continue to to watch for. We have to, as parents, we're going to stay on guard. You know, as Will gets older, he becomes more self-aware. He can kind of say, you know, things aren't quite right or I'm struggling a little bit more. But some, sometimes he still can't. He's 19. He's, you know, he's not... Um, he doesn't have enough years under his belt and brain development and all that kind of stuff to be completely self-aware. And so we, we keep watching him and we keep asking questions. And, you know, he's about to go back to school. It's August now. He's, you know, the drive back to college is coming up next week. Um, but he's spent all summer with his, with his therapist. We've gone to, the, to his therapist. We've had individual sessions. We're about to have a group session tomorrow. Um, you know, this is something that we're continuing to to have to work on mental illness is not something that you treat and it, it and it's resolved i think what i've learned over the last five years is that it's something that you can learn to manage would you say i mean yeah. almost like a diabetic a diabetic manages blood sugar and i was very frustrated with myself last august when all these headaches are happening and you come up with that idea. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you idiot. Of course, talking to myself, like how could we not have expected him to be anxious about going to college? Why didn't we think about this and have him in therapy every week and, you know, leading up to his departure. And, and I, again, I think we just got complacent. We thought we had it, we had it beat, but what we've learned is that it is a, something that Will and his parents will have to manage for the rest of his life. And about three weeks before the end of this spring semester, he called me and said, Mom, I'm depressed. And he had been seeing a therapist. We found him a therapist there. And he said, I'm depressed. I, I don't know that I'm really gelling with this therapist. And I'm depressed. So my first thing out of my mouth was, are you safe? 
because we've asked that question so many times. It's not a weird question to ask. I said, I can be there in a few hours. I'll get on the next flight. And he said, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm safe, but I am depressed. And so again, just this is not a linear progression. This, it's, it's a journey of ups and downs. And so he got through the final three weeks of his semester, got home, met with the psychiatrist, psychiatrist upped his medication, got back in with his therapist that he's seen for five years. And, and um, you know, he's doing better. And we're about to head back to take him back to school. And, you know, I think we both have a little... Um, a little bit of trepidation on how he's going to do this semester because it seems like, um, you know, the depression keeps rearing its ugly head. And I think one of the one of the hard things about being at this stage of life, where he you know leaves town to go to school and you know potentially will leave town to go career, is he's been so comfortable with the, the his treatment team here. And then having to expand to new therapists and you know potentially new doctors as the time goes on, um, you know it's hard. You you really get pretty reliant on the people that you know and trust, and um, you know, that's kind of our prayer going into uh, this semester is that um, we can find a a therapist at, at, in his community where he's going to school to uh, that he can connect with and, and continue to work on you know, and his coping skills and, and just working through uh, some of the fears and concerns that he has. I want to ask some questions that I ask the other parents because I feel like it's important for us to answer the same things that I'm asking of other people. What do you think was the lowest point or has been the lowest point for you in this in this entire journey with Will? I would say that, you know, realization that he was suicidal and, um, you know, that we were having to, you know, hide all the pocket knives and the kitchen knives and make him sleep in our room. That was, you know, to think that the possibility of him harming himself or even taking his own life was an imminent danger. That was the, uh, that has to be the lowest. I would agree with that. And that everything we did for weeks was just to keep him alive. That was our goal. Yeah, we weren't worried about things he could do or not do or where he would go or whether or not he made his bed or things like that. It was like, we just got to keep you alive. You know, those are problems for another day. In what way, Dan, would you say that Will's struggle did and does affect our marriage and our family? Well, particularly in those first 18 months after we realized what was going on with Will, all of our family energy went to Will. Um, you know, normally you've got a marriage, you've got three kids, you know, that energy gets spread around. 
And for that time period, um, I think everybody got neglected except for Will. And that was the right thing to do, but it was hard. It was hard on everyone. I, you know, we probably need to call our other kids right now and thank them for, um, you know, being such great team players and understanding how important it was for us to do that. Um, you know, as a married couple, it was hard. I mean, you know, we like each other. We like to go on dates. We like to, um, you know, we our whole marriage, our whole, you know, even from our, the time our kids were very young, we we had a belief that you know it was important to work on our marriage and you know get babysitters and go out, go you know go on a weekend trip, you know, work on on our relationship, and that was just completely shut down. We the only conversations we ever had were about Will. Yep. The only time we ever spent was about Will. It dominated everything we did and you know thankfully we were on the same page mm-hmm. thankfully we both understand uh, understood that was the priority mm-hmm. um you know i can't say i never got a little selfish that i didn't get some of your time but um you know, I, I think we were both so committed to to will that um, you know, it, was, it had to be a selfless commitment to make it work. And to your point about being on the same page, I've talked to several women in particular who have a child struggling, who the, their husband's not on the same page. And that's such an incredibly difficult challenge that I'm I'm thankful that I didn't have to face that, but my heart also really goes out to those parents whose spouse is not in agreement on how to approach a child's mental health. You know, as a guy, you know, I'm a 52-year-old guy, you know, we were taught, you know, you suck it up, you rub a little dirt on it, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you don't show weakness. And, uh, you know, that was certainly my gut reaction when this happened. Well, he just needs to suck it up. He needs to get better. You know, he just needs to try harder. He needs to find something he likes and, and you know, put his heart into it. But I don't know. There was something different about this. This mm-hmm. wasn't just, you know, a kid who was mad about not making the team or striking out on the to lose the game. This was not a situational type thing. This was an illness. This was serious. This was life threatening. And I don't know, it just became clear to me that it was much more than just, you know, a kid who couldn't deal with a little bit of disappointment. What tips or pointers would you give parents who either have a child presently struggling or have younger children and think, well, I'm not going to have to worry about this. Well, I think if you have a child that's presently struggling, um, the number one thing is you got to keep them alive. It doesn't matter if they don't make their bed. It doesn't matter if they don't wipe down the counter after, after dinner. If they're not alive, 
you're not going to care about any of that stuff. So you have to really assess the situation and find out, you know, if they're suicidal, you can't call that bluff. You can't say they're faking, they're just using it, they're manipulating me. You don't know. And, you know, if you've got a kid playing games with that, I mean, God bless you, I, that's got to be impossible. But you, you have to, you can't call that bluff. And, um, you know, don't sweat the small stuff when we're worried about life and death. And that's probably my biggest thing that I stand on. You know, for a parent of a younger kid who, you know, hasn't seen this happen in their family, you know, first of all, if it ever happens, no, you're not alone. No, you didn't cause this. Um, you know, just like you didn't cause diabetes in that one kid who did get diabetes or the kid who got leukemia, you didn't cause that either. Um, but don't be afraid to ask for help. Go to your pediatrician, go to your family practice doc. If you're fortunate to have connections with a psychiatrist or a therapist, I mean, start somewhere, get professional help. Don't try to do this yourself. Um, you know, and if they check it all out and say, this is just a kid who's upset about striking out to lose the game, then you find that out. But, you know, if it's the real deal, if it's real depression, you can't gamble on that and you need to get real help. So that's that's probably my biggest advice. I said something like that in the video I did for Zero Reasons Why, that so much of depression and anxiety in particular, in our case, looks like typical teenage behavior. You know, they want to be alone a lot. They're moody. They don't talk a lot. So I think... For me, I just thought Will was being a typical teenager. But looking back, I wish I had seen that shift in his personality because it was somewhat of a seismic change from who he was and said, I'm not going to take the chance that this is just a moody teenager. I'm, I'm going to look into this and, and have him assessed. And I would tell the parent of young children who think that this will never happen to them. I was the same way. And boy, was I wrong. And don't think that this can't happen to you because the numbers show that at least one in four parents will have a child struggling with mental health issues. And it's gotten even worse since COVID and all the social media stuff. That's what I would say. Good advice. In closing, Dan, is there anything else that you think we should touch on or mention? Well, first of all, I just want to tell you I'm proud of you for doing this. Um, I hope that the listeners appreciate what you're doing and the knowledge that they're not alone uh, gives people some some comfort and some guidance because I think that's what this is all about. Um, 
those of you who are listening, I thank you for tuning in. I thank you for caring enough about your kids to, to do the research, to listen to people and you know, maybe not just us. You know, we don't have all the answers. We're just trying to be a light in the darkness right now. And I hope that um, a little bit of what we said um, and telling our story can be helpful to you. I agree. We absolutely don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I'm just a mom. But I'm just a mom who wants to talk to other parents about their journeys. And I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. Wanna see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.